And shalom to everyone. This is Rabbi Tama Davis Hart from Beth Elohim Messianic Synagogue, uh, bringing the parasha uh, number 40, Balak, uh, from Bamidbar, Numbers 22. But before I do that, uh, I wanted to respond to a question about the Book of Wars that was in a previous parasha. So I want to respond to that question. Uh, I don't respond in haste to questions presented in the synagogue because there's often additional research required for a complete answer. And in the case of this book, there is no definitive answer, only conjecture. And this book does not exist any longer, but it is mentioned in the book of Jasher as being a collaborative writing written by Moshe, Yehoshua, and the children of Israel. There is a reference to a book that's unnamed in Exodus 17:14 where God commanded Moshe to inscribe a military victory over the Amalekites and recount it later in the hearing of Yehoshua, who was his successor. At least one Torah scholar suggested this book may refer to the Book of Wars of the Lord. And there are other opinions that this book is a collection of hymns describing military victories, curses, mocking songs, and other subjects that relate to the victories of God over his enemies. And this opinion hinges on the idea that this book may have been written using oral and written traditions. And the fact that this book is mentioned in the book of Jasher provides more validity to its mention in scripture as God saw fit to mention the book of Jasher. So why was the book of Jasher not canonized? Now we know that God directed the use of many extra biblical sources as part of the written Torah. And the book of Jasher is mentioned in Joshua 10, 12, and 13 when the Lord stopped the sun in the middle of the day during the battle of Bet Heron. It's also mentioned in 2 Samuel. As containing the song of lament of the bow that David composed at the death of Saul and Jonathan. And this lends credence to the opinion that the book of wars of the Lord contains songs and other genre. And the mention of the book of Jasher in God's Torah provides an external source of validity regarding the context to which it's referred. So the history recorded in God's Torah did not happen to the exclusion of other writings. God integrated those which he deemed germane to be chosen as the canonical books. But just because some of the extra-biblical books are not included, does not infer that information found within their pages doesn't help the Torah student and the true believer gain a deeper understanding of God's word. It would seem that God uh, invites us to look beyond his Torah at times for information that augments scripture when prayerfully and humbly researched. We must always take great care not to place any other source of information above God's Torah as truth, and that includes the oral Torah. But there are many extra biblical sources that can certainly help us in our Torah walk. And research on the Book of Wars of the Lord provides just such an example. Okay, so let's get to Parashah number 40, Balak. And today we set the stage with clarification of who Balaam was and why his services were so important to Balak, which means who lays waste or destroys. Balaam, not of the people, that's what that means, was a sorcerer who was called upon to place curses on others. Curses are very serious in God's economy, especially when they're placed on his people. 
Belief in blessings and curses was common in Old Testament times, and it was thought that sorcerers had power over the gods. That's little g. So Balak wanted to solicit Balaam to use his so-called powers with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to curse Israel in the hope that God would turn against his own people. It should be obvious that neither Balaam nor Balak had any idea about the differences between the pagan gods and the God of Israel. So we might ask why God would even speak through a sorcerer when he forbids such practices. It would seem that as he refused Balak's sum of money more than once, that he was not going to take the job of cursing Israel. But Balaam was only willing to acknowledge that God was a powerful God, not that he is the only true God. The story of Balaam reveals the unkosher status of a pig, and that is, he appeared righteous on the outside, just as a pig has a split hoof. But Balaam was not one of God's people, just as the pig does not chew the cud. Kosher appearing on the outside, but inwardly unclean. Balaam was at the ready to obey God's command as long as there was a profit to be made. The mixture of obedience and profit is a dangerous combination that more than not leads to a fall from God's grace. Indeed, it was the cause of Balaam's death. Although he realized the awesomeness of God's power, his heart was driven by money that he could gain in Moab. He returned there only to die when the Israeli army invaded. And that's in the next parashah. Application of this teaching for today is significant. At some point in our lives, we fight the same battle between secularism and pagan ways with which we're often all too familiar and often raised. And the spiritual draw by the Ruach, the Holy Spirit, to separate ourselves from an antinomian lifestyle and follow God out of love and awesome fear. Who and what we are will one day surface, either through the refinement process of life driven by God or when we stand before him at the judgment. Efforts spent on vanity in any form are wasted, as the book of Ecclesiastes describes. Such efforts would be better spent on asking God to search our hearts and minds and remove any unclean thing found in them, as stated in Psalms 139. We can avoid the mistakes of Balaam by acknowledging who we are and who God is, repenting of our sins, including rebellion against his Torah, his instructions, and starting our walk on the king's highway, neither turning to the right nor the left. We must remember that motives are just as important as actions. Where our hearts are will be our treasure also. That's in Matthew 6. The Haftarah is out of Micah, chapter 5. And in this Haftarah, Micah reprimands Israel for conveniently forgetting the incident of Balak and Bilam. The children of Israel must remember that Balaam was sending a message to all generations. And this is a warning that although we're far removed from that time, we are seeing prophecy fulfilled every day. Micah reminds the Israelites that as long as they're faithful, faithful to do the mitzvah, dwell together in peace and pay their allegiance only to Yahweh Elohim, they will be unconquerable, as we would be if we held to those same standards. God does not want repetitious heartless sacrifices. Rather, he does want the sacrifices. He wants them to do justice, love kindness, and walk modestly with Yahweh Elohim. That's in Micah 6, 8. And note that walking is more than a simple verbal profession. It is an action verb, ongoing. Great Kaddishah is out of Jude. And Jude addresses problems with false prophets or teachers. 
He's already spoken on how some teachers turn liberty into license to practice immorality and disobey Yahweh's Torah, and he warns that Yahweh, who once delivered Israel from Egypt, destroyed them when they rebelled against him. Verse 11 speaks specifically of Cain, who would not accede to Yahweh's instructions and who had been afforded five or six opportunities to repent, but he chose not to. Cain was shut out of Yahweh's presence, as all who rebel against him shall be at the time of judgment. Cain's road led him to murdering his brother, Abel, but it was not the primary reason for his demise. For Jude, said Cain, like Korach, had given themselves over to the error of Balaam, greed, arrogance, and stinginess. Could it be that Cain knew he should have offered a blood sacrifice, but rather than parting with a valuable animal, chose cheaper produce instead. Do we follow this example? How will a little pleasure now substitute for an eternity of being out of Yahweh Yeshua's presence? Let us examine our fear, awe, and love factor of Yahweh Yeshua. Yahweh promises that someday we will recognize His glory and majesty. But for some, it will be only a chance to see what could have been before being sent to hell. Revelation chapter 2 reminds us that there are those who will be found to be following the teaching of Balaam, quote, who taught Balak to set a trap for the people of Israel so that they would eat food that had been sacrificed to idols and commit sexual sin. Therefore turn from these sins, otherwise I will come to you very soon and make war against them with the sword of my mouth, unquote. Now I pray that we will not be among those. Rather we will hear Yeshua say as we stand before him one day, quote, Excellent, you are a good and trustworthy servant. Come and join in your master's happiness. That's out of Matthew 25, and I pray that it be so. Amen.